Many patients are turning to internet review sites to post their accolades, comments, and rants about their physicians. Some doctors are now asking their patients to sign waivers, barring them from writing online reviews. Are these agreements really beneficial to physicians, or are these documents often moot points that are unable to be successfully defended? You're listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and joining us to discuss online reviews, our patient waivers a good idea, is Jim Spetta, a law professor at Northwestern University School of Law, specializing in telecommunications and internet policy. Welcome, Jim. Happy to be here. All right, thanks. Let's talk about these because I like this topic because I've been like blasted on a couple of websites. Of course, patients were totally wrong. But uh, do you think a significant number of doctors have started asking their patients to sign these waivers that they won't write online reviews? Or is this still somewhat new and an isolated attempt by a few physicians around the country to protect themselves on the web? I think it's relatively new, but what we've seen on internet practices is when something starts and gets a little bit of publicity, it rapidly develops. So I could see this taking off pretty quickly if physicians think it's in their interests to do it. How do patients respond to these things when they walk to the window and you have to give them a HIPAA compliance thing to sign, they have to sign the paperwork, they have to go through all of this, and then all of a sudden it's like they stick something in your face like, and you better not say bad stuff about us. Do patients respond poorly to it? Well, I think there are a couple of different reactions. Some patients obviously will respond poorly to it. The vast majority of patients will probably sign it like they sign all of the rest of the forms. In the law, we don't actually assume that people read the things they sign until there's a dispute over over it later on. But it's still binding even if they don't read it, correct? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of law, if you sign it, it's binding whether you read it or not. Right. Your signature is not merely an ornament to the document or something like that. Right? Okay. Now, have there been any cases with these where patients have uh, it's been tested or are, pa- are patients really complying with these agreements? I am not aware of any cases involving patient postings and doctors that have gone to court. There have been analogous cases that have gone to court where people have had comments posted about them on fora and they've tried to sue to have it taken down. But the cases that I'm aware of have involved dating sites or other kinds of gossip sites not involving reviews. Well, let's say a patient goes on a website and says something terrible about me. Am I allowed to find out the identity of that patient, who they really are? There's two aspects to the question. There's a legal aspect and there's a technical aspect. The legal aspect is if the statement seems defamatory, you should be able to bring a lawsuit and then to issue a subpoena to the host of the website and ask them for the information about who it was who actually posted it. But this raises the technical aspect or the technological aspect of the question, which is often the website won't record any information about who the poster actually is. And one of the big features of the internet, and in fact, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing this develop is that there's anonymity on the internet. And if the website operator isn't capturing any information about who's doing the posting, then even in the lawsuit, that information won't be able to be found. So you just would go against the internet operator and say, take this website down or take me off of here. You could go theoretically go against the website operator, but there's a federal law called, which is a part of the Communications Decency Act, which immunizes the website operator for content that is posted by users of the website. And 
under this law and under the law generally, the website operator isn't going to be liable for any defamation that the poster put forward and isn't going to have any obligation to take down any posting that the doctor finds objectionable. Wow. So in other words, we're at the mercy of anybody who wants to just vent their spleen against us for any kind of reason, and we really can't do very much about it. You're not entirely at their mercy because the doctor can always go against the person who posted it, of course, if they can find that person or if they happen to know based on the details in the posting who the patient particularly was. Many websites do allow posters a right of reply, and so if someone says something bad about you, you can post your response to it. And then there's a sort of ethic on the Internet that, in my view, means people reading negative reviews on the Internet take them with a grain of salt, especially if they're anonymous. I I absolutely agree with you there. Some of the best hotels I've ever stayed at have some of the worst reviews, and it's obvious that people just had one bad experience. Let me corral you in for a second there. If, If a patient refuses to sign a waiver, do you think physicians can ethically refuse to see them? I'm not an expert on medical ethics. As a matter of contract law, the doctor should be able to refuse to see the patient. And as long as the patient's not in any particular emergency needing treatment, I think that the law would have no problem with the doctor refusing to treat if the patient refuses to sign the contract. Okay. So now, are these agreements really enforceable? Do they have to be witnessed? And can you make a case for both sides here so that we can try and be equitable here? I think you can make a case for both sides. The case for enforceability simply says that this is a normal contractual term. The doctor promises to provide services on these terms, and the patient has agreed to these terms. We have lots of other kinds of contracts in which one party or another agrees not to talk about something. We have non-disclosure agreements in corporate law. We have secrecy agreements so that employees keep their employers' trade secrets from their competitors. So we have lots of agreements in contract law where parties agree not to talk about something. And that's the basic argument for the enforceability of these agreements. The argument against the enforceability of these agreements, I think, has two aspects to it. The first aspect is, in a lot of circumstances, courts are concerned about difference in power between those who are professionals and those who are not professionals. And so the law of medical malpractice, the law of lawyer malpractice, worries that doctors and lawyers and other kinds of professionals are able to take advantage of the people that they're doing business with. And then the second aspect of the argument against enforceability is that courts are a little bit sensitive to people giving up their right to complain if they've gotten bad service. So I think that there is an argument on both sides for enforceability and for unenforceability. I think, one, to me, one of the more interesting aspects of this is how does it change the doctor-patient relationship as a matter of non-legal relationship rather than legal relationship. But I do think that arguments can be made that they are enforceable or unenforceable. All right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and joining me to discuss online reviews, are patient waivers a good idea, is Jim Spetta, a professor at Northwestern University School of Law who specializes in telecommunications and internet policy. Well, I've always thought, Jim, that the, the patient who's really, really obnoxious and is going to badmouth me, I kind of want them to because I want them to tell all their friends because their friends are probably as obnoxious 
obnoxious as them. I don't want them to come to the office either. But online reviews are, are really kind of different because you don't know who's reading them. You kind of feel personally affected by it, at least I did. And that is another feature of the Internet. One of the features of the Internet is it's not just public, it's incredibly public. Something gets posted on a forum, it's there. Anyone who Googles the doctor may run across it. And it's not just there, it's there forever. It's very hard to wipe away something that somebody has posted. And I understand that there's a big difference between a patient who complains to a few of their friends or even to many of their friends and the very public posting that happens on an internet forum. Well, there's one way around it, you realize. You just get 20 of your patients who love you to write a good review on the site and it kind of washes away the bad one. And we've seen that in other contexts. We've seen that in restaurant review websites where there's a negative review. All of a sudden, you'll see a bunch of positive reviews pop up. And this is just an aspect of marketing that the restaurants know they have to be engaged in. They have to monitor the websites that review restaurants. It would be unfortunate, I think, if doctors had to spend a lot of their time in that that sort of marketing. We always ask doctors to do a lot as it is. But that may be one of the consequences of the internet age. Yeah, I just stopped reading the websites. That's the best thing to do. But listen, if the, let's talk about this for a minute from your own personal point of view. If, the, if these agreements aren't enforceable, let's say, are the agreements really of any use to physicians? I mean, at least in theory, you, if you ask patients on an honor system not to write a review, could this backfire and encourage patients to write a review? I mean, you giving them the idea that they can write a review if we irritate them. I think the only danger is if you're educating patients who don't know about doctor review websites, that there are such doctor review websites. My guess is that any sort of mildly motivated patient who was interested in finding out about these possibilities would find out about it. Anyone who uses Amazon.com knows the model of purchasers or users posting information about the product they just purchased, and this is just an extension on that. What I think is useful about these waivers, even if they're not legally enforceable, is the conversation that they might induce between the doctor and the patient about each party's expectations about the relationship going forward. I think that's a good point, and I think it might be important to have a conversation from the waiver between the physician and patient for the physician to say, listen, if something here is not right or if your anger upset, tell me before you put it on the internet, let's work it out. So it might be a good thing to do. That would be my recommendation, and in fact, it would be my recommendation that the form not be, as you talked about earlier, just another one of the forms that gets presented in the waiting room that the patient has to fill out and sign before they see the doctor, but that it be a part of the conversation between the doctor and the patient about their relationship. Yeah, maybe that would be a good thing for doctor-patient relationships to have doctors or someone in the staff bring up the idea that these websites are there, they're very potentially dangerous, and, and that we encourage our patients to let us know if something irritates us, not just to print it publicly like that. All right, let's, another question here is, you know, we may have gone over this, but sites let users post anonymously, right? And the whole internet's anonymous. How would we know if actually the reviews are there? Should we go looking for them? And how would we know, in fact, if it was our patient who violated the waiver, if they don't put any details in there? Is the anonymity of the internet really making this whole waiver thing a moot point? The anonymity of the internet will make the waivers difficult to enforce as a practical matter because it will be difficult for doctors to find out who's doing 
the posting. I think the doctors will be relatively effective at finding the postings in the first instance. That's what Google does, or you set a Google alert and you get an email every day of everything new on, on the internet that mentions your name. Repeat that. That's, I never heard about that. I can have Google tell me if stuff's on the internet? Google has a service called Google Alerts, where you can enter a search and it will run that search for you every day and send you an email identifying anything new on the internet that day that includes those search terms. And so if I put in James Spetta, every day I could get an email from Google with any new pages on the internet that Google has indexed that include my name. So you get your Google review for the day. I mean, how would you really know which patient it was if they didn't give you facts? Should, should, should you spend your time going after these things is my point. We're already so busy and there's so many other things to do. Is this something worthwhile doing to taking our time to pursue these waivers or pursue the websites? My belief is that if it's the isolated negative review, it's probably not worth someone's time to go after a particular or even a small number of particular negative reviews, because I really do think people who use the internet, who find negative reviews that don't have much detail and are anonymously posted, aren't going to take those negative reviews very seriously. How could websites improve the ways that patients evaluate the doctors and to provide for more accurate portrayal? Should they be more responsible and, and just not take the uh, yellow journalistic comments? I think there are two different models of website out there. There's the model of the website that creates an unrestrained forum that is just like the wild, wild west. And I think those websites are not particularly interested in driving traffic on the basis of the quality of the information so much as they are on the sort of freedom or wildness that's available on the website. There are other websites that are interested in building a good database of accurate information, and that's their business model for driving traffic. And those sorts of websites are going to be proactive about getting good reviews, having structured reviews, what sort of information are they asking for, are they, how are they asking for specifics, and may even ask for identifying information. If a website is interested in building reliable information, they might ask for real names from people who post uh, their information. We have that in some product review websites where they really do want high-quality reviews. But I think we will see both kinds of websites going forward. I'd like to thank my guest from Northwestern University School of Law, Jim Spetta. We've been speaking about physicians asking their patients to sign waivers, barring them from writing those disastrous online reviews when we have been misbehaving. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air, and on the internet, too. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and you can leave us all kinds of nice reviews about my shows. And thank you for listening.